we've never been going anywhere. And he said, no, put a bit of poison on, Dan. Um, let me think. Is it because you knew I would boot you out of the moving vehicle? No. Do you know what? I'm thinking of even recent tours. I've never once done it, and I should. But I don't think anyone else would appreciate it. <laughs> That's never stopped you with anything else. <laughs> that is true. The amount yeah. of times you put Bob Dylan on. G'day, welcome to Different Times Podcast, episode number 16. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Paul Waller, and next to me, I'll let him say... Hello, I'm Daniel Lewis Sargent. Lewis? That's my middle name, didn't you know? Uh, I must have known. You must have. You're Paul Anthony, aren't you? Uh, Hi, Dan. (laughs) How are you doing? Good. Yeah? You sure? Yeah. You've worried me a little bit with your uh, pre-chat. Amble with me. I want to go first. All right, go (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Right, so what have I been up to this week? Remember a couple of weeks ago, don't drink when I'm about to say something really fucking funny. (laughs) Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we said William Shatner has a Christmas album coming out? Shatner Claus. Shatner Claus, or one of my favourite bands and one of your favourites too, Def Leppard. Are bringing out a Christmas oh, single. Oh, come on. Have you not heard it? No, not at all. It's called... Oh, mate, you need to look it up. It's called Everyone Needs Christmas. <laughs> Excellent, go on. I thought originally, oh, it must be for a charity uh, single or something like that. Yeah. No. Oh. So I thought, oh, it'll be something jokey then. Nope. It is fucking awful. <laughs> is it a proper, like, Jingle Bells on it? It's Cliff Richard-level shit, oh. honestly. There are bells on it and everything. Whoever fucking convinced Def Leppard to do this needs shooting. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You can hear the song already, uh, just Google it, and there's a video coming out over the next couple of weeks as well. But like, honestly, honestly I, can't believe it. I get, I get Tesco has to put Christmas shit up already, but songs? That don't make any sense. Well, Def Leppard have got a big new package. You know how I Maiden have got all those albums being re-released in special nice big box sets awesome. and all that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Def Leppard are doing their own version of that. It's got, like, all the Hysteria 7 Inches being released. Okay. Oh, so is this an old song or it is actually a no, new song? No, it's new. Jesus. I really want to listen to it. <laughs> we, uh, as I say, for the Christmas special, we are going to be listening to the Christmas albums. I think we've got to choose two each. Yeah, definitely. Two each. We'll listen to them and uh, we will give them proper reviews. Is that all right? Hmm. I can't wait. Something a bit more sensible and certainly not very Christmassy. I Loved You at Your Darkest by Behemoth or Behemoth. You heard right. that? I've heard a track, that Dog Equals God. Yep. I thought, fuck that track. Didn't like it. Really? Not honestly. I But I only liked... From like the one that everyone raves about, the Satanist, I only loved uh, that initial first song, like "Blow Your Trumpets, Gabriel," because it was like slower and doomier. Yeah. The the rest of it I could give or take, and the new one I thought wasn't quite as good as that. But again, that seems to be the general consensus from other stuff that I've been reading. But I right. really like it. I, I liked the Satanist, especially like you say the first song. Then this um, it sort of builds on that, I think, and. I reckon if you gave it a proper listen, you might change your mind. Well, then my favourite Polish band, 
but I only know one Polish band. Who's that? Behemoth. Oh, right. And I really like, I know you shouldn't like a band because of the way they look, but I love all the stuff that Nurgle wears and how they look. I think it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, that. did you think it was pretty close to Ghost in some of the photos where he's got one of the massive, great, big cardinal hats on? Yeah, I don't think that's intentional, though. Well, I just thought, you know, come on, it's been done. New Coheed and Cambria album. Fuck that, I did listen to that. The Unheavenly Creatures. Mate, how long does a record need to be? How long? <laughs> I'm quite sentimental about Coheed and Cambria, especially the earlier stuff. I don't know if you remember, at my wedding, Kim and I had our wedding dance to... Yeah, first song. Uh, wake Up. Yeah. Kissy uh, Kissy. Lovely, that was. Um, so, and I love uh, Good Apollo, I'm Burning. That album's fucking amazing. And this is just more of the same, really. You know, proggy metal, lovely, well-produced sound with a sort of emo twinge. I got to admit, it's the first one I've ever given a go. Oh, really? Yeah, just because the reviews were all middling to, to good. And that's exactly what it is. It's not standout, but it is very, very listenable. But that being said, if I was going to listen to this band, I would go back and listen to the second stage Turbine Blade. What, what even is that? What are you saying? The earlier album. From 2002. Say it again, what's it called? The Second Stage Turbine Blade. N- never heard of it. It sounds... Oh, it's really fucking good. The... Tell me if I'm wrong, but are they like the ultimate concept band? So, like, this is all one story. Yeah, something yeah? like that going on. I haven't bought into all that side of it yet. I just really like the music. So, um, I think this is the album that wraps it up from what I read in the Metal Hammer review. So, like, this is the album that wraps up the, the story. But I maybe because I didn't know the story to begin with, I'm just like, I have no idea what you guys are even talking about here. But no, <clears throat> it didn't grab me musically. And I was hoping it would because it's... um, There are hooks there, but it's a bit like uh, our mate Chaney. Like, tends to not repeat the hooks. And it gets frustrating to listen to for me after a while. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Whereas on the earlier albums, although it's very proggy, there's still definite verses and choruses and they're one of those bands that continue their musical themes on throughout the songs so it's all very all oh, right sweet okay, and okay. enjoyable to listen to i do remember that the song at your wedding um that's pretty good it's lovely but as a i, I guess as a it's a one-off taken out of context yeah go on what that else have you listened to well this is the one that i think might shock you oh no black peaks Oh, okay, all right, go on. Uh, All That Divides, and I actually put on here, Album of the Week. (laughs) Go, give give me the what for. I did this initial little bit of writing when I first heard it a week or so ago. Okay. And now I've listened to it again on the way over, and hearing it for the third time, there's so much more I want to say about it, and I feel completely different about it. So we go with my original... Hypothesis. Synopsis. Synopsis. Yeah. These guys straddle a big cross. These guys straddle a big cross section between heavy rock all the way through to hardcore punky sort of stuff. Since 2014-ish, they have been getting bigger (laughs) and bigger. Uh, And they had some fucking awesome shows and festival appearances. Didn't we see them at Heavy one year? Um, 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 I didn't see them, but they did play. They played the same thing. Yeah, uh, and they're definitely a band that 
for me, they've sort of like been poised to be the next big thing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, this album is produced by Adrian Bushby. Right. Who did uh, a few bits with Muse, and more importantly, Echoes, Silence, Patience and Grace by the Foo Fighters. So you can sort of see the market there being pushed at, the sort of the, the heavier side of NME and the light side of Metal Hammer, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, I, I did get the first album, and I listened to it a lot, and there was a lot to take from it. Uh, but the singles for this new album, I didn't rate at all. Uh, in fact, sort of uh, the the vocals, which everyone is rate, rates them for, like the vocals that the guy's like a brilliant singer. It was grating on me, so I, I didn't bother listening to it when it was released last week. Um, how did it stick with you on this second listen? Well, originally I could, I didn't get the choruses and I didn't get the vocals. Yeah, but now. I've come back round and listened to it again. Those hooks are actually fucking in there, and they're—I think—they're really strong songs. It's very safe. There's nothing on there that's going to shock you. You know, you could listen to it, you know, in the office at work, sort of thing, and no one would be upset. There's a few screams on there, like shouty screams, but it is very slickly produced. There's nothing in there that is new or inventive. They're just good, solid songs with really, really good hooks. He does that. He does that Kurt thing where when he screams, he can scream in tune. Yeah, yeah, and and that's where they grab a lot of hooks from. But that scream really grates on me. I don't like it. I like his voice. Yeah, normal. I totally agree. It needs less of the screams and more of his singing because that's spectacular. Uh, there's, it brings to mind Jonah from Far from One Line Drawing. All right. Okay. What well, uh, his. Like, singing in high pitch voice. I can't do it. Yeah, no, that was it. Was it was like Jonah was here. I had to double, <laughs> do a double take. Like, do you know they supported Deftones at Wembley? Yeah. Like, imagine that. At the time, <laughs> I was that. I was very bitter because I thought that should have been us. <laughs> what? Um, them supporting us at Wembley? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What the fuck are Deftones doing there? Yeah. Good point. All right. Okay. So, I'm going to listen to it then because. If you've rated it that much, there must be something more. Like I'll, I'll try and get over it. It's, it's really weird. Like I didn't think it would bother me, but they they released three pre-singles, and the second pre-single, I was just like, "That's it, I'm out now," because I just didn't like it so much. The first one I was so so about, and then they released the third, which I didn't even put into my save till later list. Well, I mean, that's a harsh review. That's, that's a harsh review, <laughs> but I'm gonna now. And we're bound to to bump into them at some time uh, and probably interview them. So I think maybe we should um, stop, be... stop being horrible. Stop being horrible. No, but that's that the point. <laughs> it isn't what I should like. It's safe and there's nothing inventive or over the place or painful about it. It's just really solid rock. Okay, I, I, I will give it a go because they're a band that I really want to like. I think they've got the best logo. As well, and so I don't like the logo. It makes no. my eyes go all funny. Oh, that's it. I don't think there's been a better logo for the past few years that I've seen. Stop arse licking. <laughs> Let us review you. That's all I've done this week. Well, that's pretty good. It's quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's a lot of albums. That's a lot of time, and you've had to to do all this stuff. How'd you get through it? Drugs. Drugs. Hard drugs. Coffee. Oh.
Well, um, this week I was on holiday. So, yeah, first thing I want to mention, right, I went to, to um, what country was it called? Portugal. Poland. That's it. I went to Poland. Thanks, mate. <laughs> All uh, the concentration camps in Portugal. Yeah, why would they put a concentration camp in Portugal? Right? That would be nice, if anything. That would be why. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right. Okay. Fucking behemoth, right? Every single street corner, that massive poster. Like, I don't know how... I, 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 I know they're from Poland, right? Fair enough. And, like, I would expect to see brand new album, and they're the premier black metal band, like, in the world sort of thing. So I, I get it. But every street corner, I kid you not. And some, some streets, two or three sets of posters everywhere. Massive posters, tons of upside-down crosses everywhere. Awesome. I, I like, Claire's, Claire was like, what's this? And I, I explained it. And then every single time we pass one, I pointed it out to the point <laughs> where I think she wants to kill me. Uh, but I, what a press campaign! Like you cannot move in in Krakow was where I went, so you can't move in that city without seeing one on every single street. I kid you not, every single street. And I, that's incredible. That's a black metal band. That's mad. That's what I think. Fair enough. Yeah. So unfortunately, I don't know how to use Spotify. So I thought I'd set it up so on the flight over I'll be able to do all my research, listening to new bands and stuff. Um, then realised you weren't connected to the internet in a Yeah, plane. but then I thought I'd saved it somehow so it would play offline. Clearly I didn't. So the only thing available was this full live album, right, which I think was recorded by someone in a crowd that was actually standing next to Marquis Smith. So you've got the band in the background and you've just got Marquis Smith screaming Right, and he goes like, "Welcome to the fall," and then it just kicks off, and like, all you can hear is him going, "Rah, rah, 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 rah," and I'm thinking, "All right, all right, I'm going to get used to it though." So, second song comes on, "Welcome to the fall." He's doing it again, and it's the same song. I'm like, "Oh no, it's only one bloody <laughs> song, so it's not even the whole album." So I listen to Psycho Mafia, like about. I don't know, 30 times before I like, I can't listen to this anymore. Haven't you got any other music on your iPhone? Nothing at all was on there, right? And I had to get Claire to sit me down and talk me through it when we were in Poland of how to actually download something or so I can listen to it offline. So the journey home was so much more pleasurable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not recommending um, the live from Manchester album by The Fall. Definitely not. But... I did get to listen to like various podcasts because on the way back there was like you know when you're on a plane you get like a four hour or a five hour delay or something if it's too foggy or anything like that and the plane won't take off so we were stuck in a plane for four hours. Fucking hell! Yeah, before, you're on the plane. On the plane. Oh nightmare! So they couldn't let us off. We were just stuck on there. And apparently it's happened to Claire before when she was in Edinburgh as Happened well. to me on the way to Florida once with the fucking whole family, like kids and all. Oh, oh not an America flight. That would have been the worst. So, yeah, then you arrive late and your private limo is obviously pissed oh, off because he's been waiting there for it. you. Well, at least I got to listen. So I listened to this whole series of podcasts. Like, you know, like when you used to pick me up, you'd be um, listening to some Radio 4 thing where there's actors like talking and stuff like that as well a radio drama a radio drama well i would li listen to one that was like about nazis 
uh, <laughs> trying to escape after the war. Absolutely loved it. Um, so you're a Nazi sympathiser? I'm, I'm nowhere near a Nazi sympathiser, but it was really... Did you cheer when they escaped? I did definitely not cheer. Were um, you happy when they were caught? Um, he died. Like, spoiler, oh. he, he died before he I was going to read caught. to this as well. Yeah, spoiler. I'm not going to give any more of it away, but if you go onto my Facebook, there's a link to it, have a look. It's Paul Waller, it's under. So, anyway... When I was there, mate, first day, I we were in the middle of music festival uh, time. Like I don't, it was a complete fluke. And there's this band, or, or it's very ambiguous. So it's not clear whether he wants to be known as a man or she wants to be known as a female. Like Bone Engine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> but anyway, this band, Sophie, all all capitals, playing that very night, like. Literally, I don't know, 10 minutes walk away from where we're staying. What sort of genre? It's it's two just two turntables and a mixing desk sort of thing. Oh, right. But it's banging uh, without... Boom, 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 not that banging, banging. It's like Aphex Twin when we liked Aphex Twin. It's a bit off kilter. Square pusher-ish. Nice. But just like um, without being crazy fucked up. But there's great vocals on there. I thought... It was a woman from the off until I saw an Adam's apple on a video. So, just goes to show you what I know. Did you then put your willy away and feel ashamed? No, I kept going. Fair enough. So, then, the that was that. We didn't go, right? Because we'd already booked other shit, which was so annoying to know Sophie was down the road. Oh, really? Yeah, but we'd already had other stuff booked, so... That's the problem with you. You can't ever deviate from a plan. <laughs> I really tried not to have a plan, but yeah, we were only there for two days, so it was like precise military stuff. Anyway, so the main reason for going is I really wanted to um, go to Auschwitz. Uh, Auschwitz, is that how you say it? W is V, like a, a very harsh F for Freddy. Or, or Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, we went there, right? And I, I won't go on to go on about how it was because it was fucking horrible. But uh, it's something that I just needed to see. Very into watching documentaries about that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, it's what I what what I really wanted to get an insight in is a how mad people can get with with regards to getting like all washed up within uh, right wing thinking and also. Like, what would have stopped that many people in the camps um, rebelling? Like, what? how do you get in that mindset where you don't rebel? So I thought I might get some some insight into that. And I, and I did, uh, and also I didn't. So that's one of the main reasons I've always wanted to go there. But I tell you what, on the way there, it was really strange. Like, this place is in the middle of just a town. Like, so it's not out in the sticks somewhere. Oh, there's, really? Yeah, there's towns everywhere. So, like, people knew what was fucking going on. I don't care. Like, a lot of people from the towns, when you watch documentaries and read books about it, they always say, I had no idea, even though it was only, like, uh, a mile down the road sort of thing. But what I would say is on the way there, like, we we our bus slowed down because um, we were on a little tour, uh, and it, it slowed down. There was a dead cat in the middle of the road, like, it was really foggy, and I thought, oh, fucking hell, I've never seen a, a cat dead, like, 
like that before. It just curled up, but you know they normally go to the side of the road. This had curled up in the middle. I thought, fucking hell. Like, that's pretty harsh. And like, it just sort of really got to me. And then we drive on a bit further and there's a couple of wild dogs just running about. I just thought, this place is... Like, we're still, like, a few miles away. And I just thought, it's fucking ominous. You know, like, when you just think, what have I let myself in for? The very last building we went to uh, was where they um, would... The Nazis would keep, like, the women that were too limp or couldn't work anymore into just one building. And when that building was full, they would take them out orderly and, and gas them. So that was the only... <clears throat> that was a building that they would let us in and we had a look around, Right. Horrific, right? As you can imagine, worse than Buchenwald. My, uh, it, when we went to Buchenwald, it was it was eye opening, but it was like five lads sort of going there for the first time, and you can see like the oppression. You feel it, and you felt weird leaving. This was just the sheer scale of it was like Buchenwald times twenty or something. It, it was crazy. So anyway, as we're leaving this room, um, or these barracks where they would fit like 700 women in this tiny fucking place there was graffiti all over this little room that you go as an exit and uh, one of one of the guys in the group was like what's that and like this is a true story a couple of weeks before this guide was with someone that had graffitied it's all new graffiti like so this place that you know is is sacred, you know. The people were graffitiing their name to say, oh, I've been here, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it's illegal to do so. Yeah, I could imagine it is. So this guy that did it got arrested, and our guide, uh, a couple of weeks before, had to spend four hours in a prison, like, in a fucking Polish jail, um, while he was being booked and, like, fined and all that, and luckily escaped, like, Sentence. What the you guide? Know. Yeah, yeah. The guide. Someone in his group. Yeah, yeah. It And he's in charge. Well, yeah, hell. she's in charge. And she was just like, please, like respect the dead for Christ's sake, you know. And and one thing, like before I went, my opinion was just flatten the place, you know. Like as you approach it, it was just flatten this. This is horrific because we'd already been to part like Auschwitz one, and then we were going to Auschwitz two, and Auschwitz two was the one. You know, with those gates and everything. You say, oh, God. And, like, my opinion was just flatten the place. And then, like, after it, I'm just thinking it's really essential for for you to gain some sort of perspective from it. So I'd recommend, if you get a chance, like, it isn't a tourist attraction. It's not a tourist attraction. If you get a chance, definitely go, because it, it changes changes you. That's all I can say. Changes you. Um, going back... On, on the plane, even though I was listening to all these albums, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm still still not right now. It's been like 48 hours. It's weird. Yeah, but I don't think I could go there. It, yeah, well, I, I would recommend it just because it gives you an appreciation for life. I left there and I held Claire's hand and I was just like, I've had it pretty bad, I feel, like mentally in the, in the past year or so. And it just made me think, fucking hell, how lucky I am. Like, I'm so happy to have you, to have Claire, friends, amazing. So it really puts uh, puts everything into perspective, for sure. So, yeah, that's that's my weekend. It's pretty fucking tough. <laughs> uh, yeah, listening to The Fall like that. Can you imagine? Tough. Uh, so 
yeah, that's it. So lo- loads of loads of behemoth all over Portugal. Like, want to go back to that? Poland. Fucking hell, man! What's wrong with me? Just uh, really into your holiday in Portugal coming <laughs> up next year. I can't wait to go to Portugal. Let's anyway. That's not music based. No. What? Well, well, let's do some music, dude. Okay, whose magazine are we doing first then? Can we do mine? Is that all right? Okay. Right, I know I've just done a lot of speaking and I'm about to do a lot more speaking. I bought... It's a very Waller-heavy episode, isn't it? No, mate, it's not. I, I, I've, got, I've got a few things to say, but not much about it. So, Shindig was my magazine, issue number 42. I think it was 2015. It doesn't say the year on it. Oh, really? I assumed this was fucking ancient. No, no, it's not. It's... it's, it's it's one of those magazines like Mojo that they talk a tiny little bit about new stuff, but mainly it's about old stuff. I think it's a magazine that was originally put in place to speak about bands like The Who and uh, The Kinks and bands like that. I really, I got this for 60p and I really think it was 60p well spent. It was at that like that record store I said where I got like a load of magazines for 60p. The new stuff, first of all, if I can start with the new stuff. Do you remember a band called Goat? Nope. You don't remember this band, right? Okay. So I discovered Goat from an interview they had in Terrorizer. And this interview, were, I think it was our friend from um, Svalbard that was interviewing them. I think it was Serena, but I'm not sure. But basically this interview called them up on all of their image, like all their shit. And I thought, oh, that makes me sort of want to listen to them a bit more. Yeah, so they pretty much got called out as fakes, right? So they say, like, with the album that this came out with... Commune? Yeah, thank you. So the album was called Commune, and when this came out, there was uh, all this talk about it was recorded in Indonesia and Ghana, and it later out turned to be that wasn't the case. So... You know, I get where they're coming from. They're sort of putting like an image out there that isn't 100% true, but, you know, rock and roll. You know, what is true? You know, it's all... Bands been bullshitting since day dot uh, when guitars have been invented, you know. So uh, I, like, I get that, and I like their image. It's sort of like all world musicy, and there is a lot of psychedelia and a bit of stonery stuff in there. So I sort of dug it, but there wasn't enough in there to... To grab me, there's not enough hooks. The songs aren't. Oh, I don't know. They, they, well, let's give you an example. There's this track Bondi, uh, and that's a great example. Like everything in it should work, but it, it doesn't. Like it makes you not want to come back to it. But like if you dissected it, oh that bit's great. Like that sitar, oh, that sounds amazing. You know, like oh that it's, it's all that sort of thing. And when you put it all together, it's just a big mess of music. So it really didn't get me. So coming back to it, I listened to this as one of the bands I listened to coming back, uh, just jotting down my notes. And it was exactly the same as what I thought then. There's just nothing strong enough to engage with the listener. That's what I put here. Although, as I say, they've got the image thing down. And I know that album sold well. I don't know about the new stuff, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't recommend you listen to Goat, really. I'm going to listen to these. <laughs> You're going to listen to them? You think, oh, I'm 
Why are they Swedish? I'm really into Swedish bands. Well, yeah, they've got. I think it's like a home studio, which is where they actually recorded it. Um, and in this interview, they sort of admit, yeah, we we recorded it in Gothenburg, but then we did go to Indonesia or wherever to finish bits off, which. You know, uh, whatever. Have you noticed the guy who wrote this little in the studio with goats? His name is Phil Istein. Is that a real name? It's definitely his real name. He's from the Istein clan. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Ty Seagal. Please tell me you've heard of Ty Seagal. I've heard of it, but I wouldn't know why from or why right this guy is a garage rocker um he has released so many records right so many albums every single year and it's ty siegel is it ty siegel i think so yeah okay oh, i'll go with that like he's steven seagal's brother ah oh, how do you spell seagal like no from the, like the action hero yeah, I know. <laughs> you mean? <laughs> Let's look it up. Ty Seagull, um, he is on the back. So this interview, he's on the back of the album Manipulator. And that's one that I really didn't like. But then this year, he's, uh, he's got an album out. And I flipping love it, right? So... Yeah, uh, Steven Seagal. Yeah. Go the on. Fighty Man is S-E-A-G-A-L. Yeah. Ty Siegel is S-E-G-A-L-L. So what, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying here, Dan? I'm not really saying anything. I even spelt it wrong in my notes. I've just, <laughs> just double-checked. Anyway, new album out this year called Joy. And it's, it's one of my favourites of the year so far. So I, I really want to recommend that you, you listen to this guy. I've not fallen in love with any of his works probably about 10 albums worth until this one this year but you still like Steven Seagal's solo album his stuff have you actually heard his record <laughs> he's quite a good guitarist to be fair uh, I'm not having it so yeah I please go out if you're going to listen to anything what I say which of course you do you're like all making these notes definitely watch uh, it's fucking hell definitely listen to Ty Seagal Seagull Ah, oh, Seagull. Seagull. Listen to him. Uh, his quote from this is, I want to make Damage by Black Flag as much as I want to make SF Sorrow by The Pretty Things. So that would... And I thought, that's a perfect description. He's like so uh, entrenched in like psychedelia, but then he can't help but like just punk everything up. It's the, this new record. I can't recommend it enough. I've got a very big feeling it's going to be in my top 10 of the year. Um, there we go. So my album of this issue, though, uh, and the interview is flipping great. It's uh, I'll be careful to pronounce this one right. Uh, Vashti Bunyan. Does that sound right? Sounds good to me, bro. Right. 1970, this woman originally put out her first record. Folk album. I didn't hear it until um, Claire came home one day with a CD and she said, I bought this. And I'm like, never heard of, of uh, Vashti Bunyan. And she goes, I really like the front cover. And it was a picture of a rabbit. And I just thought, okay. Do you know, does she know you're not supposed to judge things by their cover? 
Well, she did. And she was spot on. It was such a beautiful, gentle record. Like, I know you're not... Oh, maybe you are. Do you listen to folk much at all? Fuck no. All right, okay. So. You know I don't listen to folk. I thought folk. you might be coming round to it. Whatever would give you that impression. Because, like, last... You surprised me last week with Lordy. It's not folk music, though, Yeah, is but it? that's something that I would never expect you liking. We've gone off then now. Have you? <laughs> it took a week. It was a flash in the pan, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, Miss Bunyan, uh, she released this album called Just Another Diamond Day back in 1970. And the album that uh, Claire brought home... Uh, oh, shit, I can't remember what that was called, but never mind. Um, that one was recorded... Uh, let me just have a look at my notes. 35 years later, right? And it was called Look Aftering. Uh, so 35 years later, like this new CD comes out. What a weird career. The initial one was uh, Vashti thinking towards the future. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in this uh, land, not off the grid, but as, as living for myself as much as I can, grow my own vegetables, live with the animals, and it's going to be a beautiful, idyllic life. Sounds and good. You listen to this record and it puts you in that exact frame of mind. So beautiful. 35 years later, Claire brings home Look After In and it's an album that looks back on what actually happened. So did she release any more music in between? Nothing in between. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, it, it got... It, it sold like a few hundred copies. She just thought music industry wasn't for me, according to this interview. So I, I get it. She's put all that effort into it, and it is so gorgeous. It's so tranquil and gentle, but catchy and oh, so beautiful that I just think if I was to put something that good out, and it got so ignored, like I know, I know that you got to have like the machine behind you or whatever. Uh, you can't go at it completely alone unless you're Fugazi, and then you make your own machine. <laughs> well, but she, she was just like completely ignored. So I get it. But anyway, that's really nice. And then she said, that's it. I'm book bookending, bookending my uh, musical career with these two. And then... <laughs> so is it almost sort of like a thing that she might have just done for herself? I th with this, rather than any sort of aspiration behind it? No, with the second record, she got um, hounded by one of the, the labels like Domino or something like that. One of the bigger indies, I can't remember now, probably was Domino, but it could have been 4AD or someone, that were were know that she was interested in doing another one they they lapped her up put her with a producer and got a new album out so it, since the first one came out and it grown and grown and become like a cult thing over the years thanks or? to mojo magazine i think it was there was a um they, they do a thing in the back of their magazines which is like uh, albums you might have missed or some like buried treasure they call it and it it got a mention in that and then, as you say, just slowly builds and builds and builds. A bit like Nick Drake's career did, but hers not quite as much as Nick Drake. But I don't know. I think oh, that first record is as good as anything Nick Drake put, <clears throat> put out. So, okay. So then nine years later, she releases another record. And again, like you put it on and that delicate voice comes across. Now, I just think that it shouldn't have happened. Like, this one was called Heart Leap. Another very similar cover to the one before it. Instead of a rabbit this time, I think it's a deer leaping. It's, it's almost as good. So, like, it's starting to get the diminishing returns thing already. 
and she obviously put so much time and effort into it and even her diminishing returns are well good like I'm, I can't recommend this woman enough but I just think oh man how perfect would it have been just to keep them two like bookend her life like but then of course she's lived on <laughs> you wanted her to die <laughs> it would have been poetic let's just say that 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 was I'd say you should do it but you've already got so many crap albums <laughs> up. Oh, then there's more to come final thing and this was the weirdest thing right on the plane coming back so I, I listened to uh, Mrs Bunyan and then with this magazine on the front cover and the reason why I got it was because there's Frank Zappa tucked away in the corner there you can see he is someone that your dad sort of pointed me in the direction of. So I was already sort of into Captain Beefheart. I remember you going, my dad fucking loves Captain Beefheart. Talk to you, my dad. I did. And he, uh, I can't remember if he lent me or he at least let me look through his collection with gloves on, gently. (laughs) Uh, So I was looking through it and then like, there was all this Frank Zappa. And so I asked him about it and he said, you don't know Frank Zappa, like I'm some dribbling fool. And basically gave me a list of what to, to listen to. So one that he didn't mention was this this album that I want to talk about. And it was mentioned in this interview. And it was meant to be the, the point where the band uh, really got together. Uh, it's called We're Only In It For The Money. And you guys that are sort of not into Zappa or maybe laymen and know a little bit and pieces, it's the one where he rips off the Beatles, um, uh, Sar- Hearts Club Band, yeah, Sergeant Pepper, yeah, Sergeant Pepper, sorry, yeah. yeah. So it, it's that one where it rips that off. Um, it was a fucking mess. What is your dad on about now? That I, is a tour de force. That album. Uh, so you know this sort, this stuff already. You know Zappa, yeah. Okay, my favourite is Weasels Ripped My Flesh, <laughs> only for the front cover. The front cover's brilliant <laughs> on that. So for those of you don't know it, it's a. Uh, a, a shaving, a razor, electric razor, but instead of it having a blade or clippers at the end, it's got a weasel just tearing a guy's face. <laughs> it looks so revolting, and like I can just imagine, like oh, I used to go to Al Price and like as a kid look at all the album covers and just think, oh, I'd have bought that straight away, mate. I, I think like I I was always attracted to the Iron Maiden ones because of Eddie. I just love that artwork. Absolutely. Um, uh, and another one was the Motorhead artwork, again, really turned on by that. But if I'd have seen that Zappa one, I would have been freaked out, which I guess <laughs> is exactly what he would want. Yeah, man, I listened to this, and the thing that really shocked me straight away was the, the sort of doo-wop style on a couple of songs. Really cleverly done. It And because, obviously, it was recorded before technology has caught up and everything's digital now, it really does sound like a, an original uh, 50s doo-wop stuff. But the issue with it is there's these noise collages all over the place, and it's sort of like, you know when Sonic Youth would stick a noise collage in and you'd be like, that's all right, but get on with the next song. Yeah, I always think of Sonic Youth albums, or some of them certainly, as noise collages with the odd song stuck in there. All right, and there's oh. a lot of shit. I just don't get Frank Zappa, man. I thought this would be the album that would pull me in. And if it did, it would have been like, look at that back catalogue. There's 4,000 albums to go through. (laughs) But it didn't. These noise collages are longer than the regular songs, most of them. There's minute and a half songs, two minute songs all over the place. 
And when when one of them is like, oh, that looks like it's going to be decent, like the title of that, then it's like sung in a way like a child nursery rhyme or something. Oh, I just don't fucking get him. Like, <laughs> like one of the songs is called... Um, what <laughs> I wrote down, what's the ugliest part of your body? And the answer to that in the song is your mind. And, That's uh, very deep, isn't it? It is, it's very deep. And yet it's sung to a kid's nursery rhyme sort of thing. Mate, I'm disappointed with your dad. Like, I, I just, I, 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 maybe I should put it another way. I'll be disappointing to your dad. <laughs> uh, well, I am, so don't worry about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just like... And do you know what? At this point, it was dead 25 years that this magazine come out. And he's got, like, tons of pages in here. And... Like, I was looking at the listens to Spotify, like, how many listens he's had. Millions. Like, popular as fuck still. So, what do I know? I know nothing. That's the end of my shindig. Uh, I don't think I'll be getting it again, for the, for purely for the reason that even with the old stuff, I much prefer what Mojo covers uh, than, than shindig. Shindig's way too sort of specialised in the weird, freaky sort of scene. So, not for me. Fair enough, mate. You gave it a go. That's all we can ask. Thanks, man. Back onto something a bit more mainstream rock. We have Raw, the heaviest magazine in the stratosphere. I don't know why you'd be in the stratosphere reading a music magazine with poison on the front cover, but there you go. Popular with astronauts. Yeah. Uh, so this is from January 1991. Oh, what a time. Hmm. What a time. It's weird. Like the initial like thing is, you think nineteen ninety one. Oh, that'll have some Nirvana and some Pearl Jam and all that sort of stuff in it. No, no, no. This is still very much Poison, Motorhead, Skid Row, Thunder, Winger, <laughs> Winger. Just say Winger. It's great. So yeah, initially when I opened it, there really wasn't much that I liked. Uh, there was there was a little bit on the second page. A big picture of Axl Rose, which is quite nice. Uh, a dog's life. Campbell quits to go foreign. Do you know who Vivian Campbell is? Def Leppard? That's exactly right. And I never realised. I thought he was just some guy who joined Def Leppard when Steve Clark died. All right. Um, so I saw Vivian Campbell and recognised the name. Yeah, and I didn't realise he had been in uh, White Snake and Dio. Dio? Yeah. As in... Okay, yeah, James. yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Uh, and he just left some band he wasn't really that interested in I can't remember the name of to start a band with the guy from Foreigner alright he was in White Snake as well that must have been sort of um, no but that was hmm okay do you want to know the real spooky bit though go on he took Steve Clark's place in Def Leppard obviously when he tragically died yeah this magazine came out the day after he died he died on January the 8th, 1991. Right. And this magazine came out on January the 9th, 1991. So... This band that they're talking about oh, here couldn't have lasted Oh, no long. way. Got yeah. it. I see what you mean. Fuck. Uh, the pen pal section in this one is particularly scary. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> there again, uh, there are pictures of people, like quite attractive looking ladies and gentlemen, and their home addresses. Now, I was reading through them all. Home address? <laughs> yep. Brilliant. One girl, Jane Goodham, lives in Canterbury at the time of writing. <laughs> <laughs> so me being me, I messaged all the Jane Goodhams 
on Facebook and sent the picture saying, is this you? And no one has replied oh, to confirm it. Mate. That would have been so cool. If, what I was hoping is the real Jane Goodham from Raw magazine uh, had replied and I'd just like to have said, <laughs> well, did you meet anyone? That's not you... stalkery at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm married to this guy. I've only I met, just realised. Yeah. yeah, she might have met the guy, married him, and that's why I haven't found her because she's not Jane Goodham. Oh yeah, I mean that's definitely what happened. Raw sorted her right out there. She's not. She you know you know that like a few weeks after she was found sliced up in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Right, we got a readers poll. Yeah, what? what you didn't send me this readers poll, did you? Because no. fucking right, you didn't. Right, best band of 1990, according to Raw readers. I know it because I read the Poison interview and it said it in there. No oh, bollocks. It's Poison. Mate. Yeah, well done, dude. Yeah. Uh, best UK band. Oh, oh, I'm going to get this. Was it? No, it wasn't Gun. I would say it was, oh, what's that other band? Thunder. They were best new band. Oh, I'm but too, Maiden, too early. Pipton, they were second best UK band. Yeah, and at this point, Thunder are yeah, like a new band, and I always think of them as being an old <laughs> band. old band. Uh, best live show, we got Donington. Uh, 1990. But strangely on there... No, 91 would have been Metallica. No, no it's it? 1990. That's oh, the right. year that they're reviewing. Okay. Uh, but weirdly, Faith No More down there in 1990. Mm, okay. Male sex object. Um, um, or oh, Axel, Axel Rose. I don't know any other Axels, so Axel Rose. <laughs> he's not even in there, but slashes. Uh, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. Oh yeah, he's good looking though. Yeah, female oh, sex yeah. object. Okay, picture. I'll show you a picture, and I still wouldn't get it. Oh, that's Lita Ford. Oh, good guess. What do you mean I wouldn't get I mean, it's Lita Ford. I don't know no Lita Ford. Oh, you're so bloody young. Best promo video? From 1990? Yeah. Uh, fuck off, is it? Holy Smoke by yeah. Iron Maiden. That was cool. No, it wasn't. It was. It, <laughs> it was not. Best film, Total Recall. I can't believe any... That's a good film, I like it. Yeah, But yeah. I can't think it was the best film ever. No, but at the time, man, that's CG. Time, yeah, but Ghost came out the same year. Robocop 2 came out the same year. <laughs> Die Hard 2 came out the same year. Gremlins 2 came out the same year. All oh, right, okay. There's a lot of films come out that year. Well, from all that lot, Gremlins 2 is above Total Recall, but that is it. I watched Total Recall recently, and it's not stood up well. I'm going to be honest. Have you seen the remake? Yeah, with Colin Farrell. Is that's it? That's terrible. It's awful. It's terrible, terrible, terrible work from all involved. Right. Right. <laughs> Good effort there, mate. <laughs> I did terrible. Not out of ten as usual. Yeah. Woo. Lemmy, you know, remember Lemmy? Do I? Yeah. He's moved to LA apparently, which is a bit of a shock. There's a big article on him about, about his moving over there. And Sylvie Simmons is waiting to meet him in a bar, uh, the Rainbow Bar. Of course it's a rainbow. Where else? Yeah. Isn't that where he eventually ended up living above? Yeah, and like pretty much at the time he was living in it. Well, in this one they say he's not living there at the time. He lives round the corner. Okay. Uh, and funny enough, she's waiting there with Slash. <laughs> so before, <laughs> As you do. But yeah, as you do, just chilling with Slash. 
uh, waiting for Lemmy. And Slash tells a lovely story that first time he ever met Lemmy, uh, he went to go for a piss, and when he got back, Lemmy was trying to get it on with his girlfriend. Now, I'm shocked, shocked at that. Like, I, while I was in um, Krakow, I listened to one of them Dead Rock Stars with Mick Wall. And would you believe it was the Lemmy one? Uh, and at this time, Mick Wall was uh, sort of always hanging out with Lemmy, like whenever he was in town. And it was at a time where he's just moved to L.A., and the stories, man, I really do recommend. I know it's like recommending another podcast, a podcast on our podcast. That's all right, we can do that. Dead Rock Stars, mate. It's so good. It's it's leagues above anything else I listen to. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Then they move to Lemmy's flat, uh, where there's a World War Two documentary on the TV. Uh, Lemmy tells... Uh, well, it's telling a story and obviously Lemmy's seen it before so he takes over and tells a story and it's about an 88 year old man crying in the documentary because his friends died on the beaches of Normandy Right. then he lays into the generals uh, that made the decision to send them over and he sounds pretty bitter about it and bitter towards these, these generals which is odd because I always saw Lemmy as like a pro-war sort of guy rather than a futility of war he like uh, this is another thing that was brought into uh, up with this uh, this uh, dead rock stars episode. Now the, I say, so I said pro war. That's wrong, isn't it? Glory of war. Yeah, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. It was said in in this uh, podcast that he's made some like you know unpolitically correct choices in what he loves. Right? Uh, he but he loves the uh, the the regalia. He loves like the the, the pomp of war and the the stories and the um everything about war that is not the people dying and the the, the right wing shit all that stuff he he doesn't like uh so he's made some pretty uh, odd choices i would say in you know like what he loves i love watching nazi documentaries love it am i a nazi of course i'm not but well. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I always thought that, like, um, Lemmy, when he would appear in magazines wearing fucking SS hats, stupid fucker. Like, that, because... I think that's why I never really latched onto it. I just hated, like, that, because that, even though, like, if you know Lemmy and you know of Lemmy and you know what he he's into... Uh, like you say, he's not into the glory of it. He's into like all, all the other bits and pieces of it that is attractive to to the onlooker. But like someone that's just flicking through Raw magazine, seeing Lemmy in an SS hat, that's not cool. Poor choices sometimes are, are made by the man. But from what I can make out, like from biographers, from interviews and things like that, he's just a guy that I would have loved to have known. I think he's the, you know, like people will say, let me some sort of God. I think he is the the metal God more so than James Hetfield. I don't think James Hetfield will be James Hetfield without Lemmy. Right? Yeah, he's he's my number one. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Wrong, but you know. Um, then they go on, and this is what I thought was odd about how 1916 has got a cello on it, and it was like, okay, it's not that unusual. 
But I guess back then... <laughs> For when, Motorhead, it would yeah, be. Yeah, back then, that would have actually been pretty strange. Then they, she sort of tries to press him about leaving the UK and suggests he's deserted England. And he answers just sort of, I guess so, but I don't think it's anyone's business where I live. And then he goes on to say, it's better over here. I'm sure most people in England would be over here if they could afford it. Um, I wouldn't. Wouldn't be in LA. I'd live in Florida. Mate, I'd I'd be somewhere in America. I've always wanted to go to New York. Whether I live there or not, couldn't say. But nah. there's another bit which is a bit sad, a bit poignant. Go on. Uh, one of them says there is an element of um, taking a band like Motet for granted. They're always there, which is uh, again they're talking about why Motet weren't that successful in America, and they say. Yes, precisely. We've been around the bloody track so many years that it's time we went somewhere else. So they've been doing the same old thing over and over. Motorhead's that band that's always been there and you don't really need to go and see them this time because they'll be here this time next year anyway. Exactly that, man. And that is, that's a really good point. Like Between the lines, you could probably get an inkling of what actually did happen. Like From what I read in um, one of the biographies was they got new management at this time and that's right they've just booted their manager yeah so you say and that management was like you've let's let's conquer america because uh, they were doing nothing over in england like the record sales were on the massive dip massive dip to the point where uh, what what are you doing if you're selling the same amount as in america but you're not touring america live over there tour it so that that's just what he did i reckon they put it to him and he was like Fuck this. Yeah, it mentions in in the interview, after he said that thing about most people in England would want to live here, he actually says, it's not me paying for it, it's the record company have sent me over it. There you go. Yeah, too right. Uh, And yeah, fair enough. Right. Singles uh, are reviewed by Liz Evans, a band called the Lunar Chicks, who I remember the name, but I don't ever know anything about them. Yeah, they were, for me, a Bad version of L7. They look like a bad version of L7 in the pictures. <laughs> okay. uh, and Motorhead, other than Lemmy, so Wurzel and um, Filthy Phil, oh, are okay. reviewing the seven inches. The first one, it was one of my first ever seven inches that I bought, and I loved the song at the time, Innuendo by Queen. Oh, mate, that's a great song. A, yeah, that's what I thought, but I thought maybe it's just because I was young and didn't really know. And Have you listened to it? I'm going to... No, I have, we'll go back and re-listen to it. Yeah, I've heard sorry, it for fucking I mean. years. But it was clear to uh, Liz Evans, who reviewed it, she called it horrible, typically grandiose queen, epic, particularly nasty. Jeez. My second Iron Maiden 7-inch after Holy Smoke was Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Right. <laughs> oh, no. Wurzel said, Well done, Nico. Fuck off, Bruce. Filthy Fool, yeah, good drumming, Nico. Lunar Chicks, boring, boring, boring. On with it. Filthy Phil again, very predictable, boring rubbish. And then Liz, the person controlling it from Raw Magazine, said, the expected metal rampage, just turn it on and suffer. Well, that got to number one. Yeah. So those fuckers don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's weird that it's like a fuck-off Bruce thing. Did Bruce already say that he was going at this time? No. Uh, let me have a think. No, he definitely didn't, because it was the old Master, wasn't it? Yeah, we still got Fear of the Dark to come yet. So that by the by that, 
Nico was like doing his old mouthy mouth to the guys in Motorhead, telling them all about all the bitchiness and like Bruce wanting to be acoustic and things like that. Oh, excellent. Uh, albums section, there was not a lot in there that I really knew, to be honest. There's a demo section in there, which has got a Cathedral, uh, which is obviously Lee Dorian's new band at yeah. the time, from Napalm Death. Uh, Doom Metal, par excellence, full of tested riffs and contortionate vocals. Contact Lee Dorian, and then his address. No. So, yeah. <laughs> if you great. wanted to hear Cathedral's first demo, you could have just written to Lee Dorian and he'd have posted <laughs> it out to you. Mate, I, that band is something that initially I couldn't get with his vocals, and now... I won't listen to Doom without those vocals, and there's only two bands that do it. It's like them, Cathedral, and Witch Sorrow. Like they're the two bands that like do that vocal style. So yeah, I'm, I'm well into it. One that I wouldn't have expected to see in here: Rollins Band get a four-star review for Turned On. About the only alternative thing in the album charts, apart from the Meat Puppets. Yeah, I've never heard of that album. Like no strings attached. That's what it was called. What, have you have you heard of our record? Nope. Well, I interviewed the Meat Puppets and I did lots of research listening to them. And no, never heard of it. To be honest, the only reason I know the Meat Puppets is because when it was on Nirvana Unplugged and everyone suddenly got into the Meat Puppets for oh, about right. 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, most of the stuff on there is shit that's long buried. A band called Fucked with a C, F-U-C-T. Oh, yeah, I saw that. A pop- that's a skateboard, mate, right? It is now, yeah. You had a fucked t shirt, yeah, didn't you? It was a blue yeah. one. Uh, Apocrypha, again, they, nothing I've ever heard of. No. Someone called David Lee Roth. Didn't they give that one five out of five? Yeah. There was also, I don't know if you noticed, Bad Religion. Yep, saw Bad Religion. That's in the import section for, what is it? Is it Against the Grain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love that album. It's great. Like, all the way through, it's fucking great. And thinking if that's in the import section, you'd have had to go in and order that and get it delivered over from Epitaph. Only gets three stars. Right. And in this bit, she says she's a bit shocked that they're still going on after 10 years. Right. I, 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 I read that. <laughs> it's been another 25 years uh, and they're still awesome. Yeah. They, Against the Grain, right, is a solid classic. Like whenever you, you and pretty much what we do, is if we're travelling together or whatever, we'll stick a, a random song on and it'll be great. It doesn't matter which one comes on, it'll be great. To give it three stars is well harsh when uh, a little bit further down the page, Giant get four stars <laughs> for like an odds and sods compilation. Like, fuck that. Fuck you, Raw. What are you doing? And again, it was the same story with the live stuff. There was nothing in there that is even going now to sort of like compare how well they've done. Uh, side. Live at the Tufnell Dome. And it, the only thing that struck me about that is it's strange they're at the Dome in Tufnell. And I think of that as somewhere that's quite a recent venue to our sort of music. It was really big at one point. Then for uh, for whatever reason, a band stopped playing there. Like it was big in the, the 70s. Like yeah. you would t- get tons of bands playing there. But Everyone uh, moved to Camden. and I guess so. I don't know what happened. But I'm glad it's open because I've seen a couple of shows there. Well, good. Love it. Did you get anything from any of the interviews? The only one I really read was the Lemmy one. The Poison one just turned me off. I just can't stand the glammy face. Well, I really liked Poison at the time, so I, I got proper stuck into that interview. What I will say is next time you send me 
some pictures to read, make sure you don't do it in the sunshine so like half of the fucking piece of paper is just a sun glare. That wasn't the sun, that was my bed light. Oh, was it? Yeah, because I was doing it at night time. Did you do it on purpose? Because it's like just as you get to a good bit of the interview, it's like... Ah! I'll leave the magazine here so you can finish it. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. There, there was... Uh, I, I'm really into Poison, for not from this era, but like the first two records. So the one when they were stupidly glam, look what the cat dragged in. Um, so you said that, but I've never seen... You've never, we've never been going anywhere, and he said, oh, put a bit of Poison on, Dan. Um, let me think. Is it because you knew I would boot you out of the moving vehicle? No. Do you know what? I'm thinking of even recent tours. I've never once done it, and I should. But I don't think anyone else would appreciate it. <laughs> That's never stopped you with anything else. <laughs> That's true. The amount yeah. of times you put Bob Dylan on. Oh, mate, I still do that. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, like, coming home uh, with Claire the other day, I did start with Bob Dylan. You're right, I'm, I'm a bastard. Yeah, Poison, like, those first two records, open up and say, ah, oh, look what the cad dragged in. Like, for me, they are stone-cold classics, glam as fuck, so much makeup. it's gross rather than like <laughs> make, making them look pretty it just makes them look like old hags it's so good i love it but this is when like i think brett could sense the 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 the, the changing tide thanks mate the the changing tide of music at the time and like that his brand of stuff was going out even though they were still selling shit tons and that like the more raw sound was coming in uh, they're, they're stripping off some of the makeup, but as you can see from the front cover, definitely not all the makeup. And like he is suffering in this interview from the fallout of the overly glam days. What I would really like to point out at this moment is that is when I went off poison because it, it just sounded like you're fakes now. Like that's not what you really are. You bounced onto that scene full of piss and vinegar and kiss riffs. And it was, that's, you were the new kiss. You were, you were gunning for it. If they'd stuck with that fuck everybody attitude instead of trying to fit in to like uh, some sort of niche uh, for, for the, the generation that had sort of started to grow up. I just don't, I just don't know. I think, I think they whatever they would have done, they were going to get blown away a year later anyway. Yeah. And one of the nice things about this, or one of the interesting things about this issue... Uh, it's all been very glam rock and US rock thus far. And it's only when you get right to the back pages that yeah, you open it up and you finally see a picture of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana sitting there. Uh, and they're sort of talking about what's going to be big in the coming years. Um, and they're all saying, yeah, Nirvana should deserve to be get signed. So they're not even signed at this point, to signed to a major, sorry, uh, at this point. Alice oh, in Chains really get mentioned, L7 get mentioned. And it's just, I see it as like the first little cracks of grunge breaking through and then destroying everything. Well, yeah, as I say, like that sea change was hitting. I'm so glad about that. I didn't see that bit in there. You probably put the sunshine over it or your bedroom light over it, so I couldn't see that bit. But that makes complete sense. Like I'm so glad because I remember Raw had one of the best covers when Kurt died, like a re really nice shot of Kurt and like the rest in peace stuff, like Enemy did and all, all everyone else. But so I, I can remember Raw being really properly in on grunge. What was the name of the the writer that that did the the bit about grunge? 
So we've got Dave Henderson. No, it's not about grunge. It's just about what's coming. So there's Dave Henderson being particularly on the ball, saying Nirvana, uh, you know, got big potential. Phil Alexander's in there. Of course he is. Who says their major Labour debut should be around the corner. And then Liz Evans is the one who brings up L7 and Alice in Chains. Oh, sweet. So they're like all in on it. Yeah. It's Ah. like a review of the year to come, what's going to be big. Mate, yeah, I wish I could sort of go back in time a little bit and just see how many issues it was before like that blanket change where everything was grunge and like poison were yesterday's news i don't think that happened with raw and that's why it died out yeah yeah it stuck to its roots a bit more um and i've got a few more of them at home so i'll yeah let's let's do some time traveling that's great well before we go i just want to say we didn't really talk about it last uh episode uh, I did my such small hands, and uh, yeah, no one mentioned that. <laughs> so, um, strange, strange how no one mentioned that. Could be because it was just so spot on, they didn't realise. Yeah, they just thought it was the, the release. Yeah, it's like, why have they put Bloody Love Dispute on the beginning of this this uh, episode number 15? So if you want to listen, go back there. Um, uh, another thing I want to say, like uh, we got a massive bump of listening people today it was great wasn't it like 100 or so just out of nowhere in one hour in america was well good turns out it's um what 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 do you call it like fake listens yeah by listens yeah and then after this little spike happened dan got an email or something saying if you want like five thousand listens seven dollar we haven't got seven (laughs) dollars what a bunch of wankers that's really pissed me off like I was so I was like oh like I was looking like where did that get shared who shared that sort of thing I couldn't find anything and I thought nothing more of it until you sent me that I was like oh for fuck's sake sorry that's because I've got nothing else to do at work it wasn't even an email <laughs> I was going through all the analytics of where all the listens were coming oh, from oh right okay that's why I sent you the screenshots of that website got and it. when you click on that uh, it takes you straight to their website. What a bunch of wankers. It's like just like in the past when bands would buy fake likes from Facebook and stuff for me. It's like, why cheat? Well, yeah, but the thing is, like, I get it with like why bands do that. I can see why bands get suckered into like buy 5,000 likes or whatever because other music industry types, bookers, even though they won't get fooled more than once, but at least you can fool them, like say, yeah, like they're, that's my bands, we're, we're very popular. But who gives a shit about fucking podcast likes? Who are we selling it to? Oh, advertisers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, stupid. Yeah. But again, they're not going to take that seriously. If they're, like, going to advertise with you, they're going to look at your Your, your your history. Yeah, Yeah. of course they are. That's what I thought was fishy, because we don't really use SoundCloud anymore. No. So we sort of, like swung over to to a diff, different host yeah all right i won't get too pissed off about that anyway we need to wrap this shit up let's wrap it up um thanks a lot for listening you can catch us all the normal places we've said this every single episode so all i'm gonna say give us a nice star rating if you listen to us on itunes just because it puts us further up on those searches and that's all i'd like to say really dan final words from you chum mammoth weed Wizard bastard.
what do I know? I know nothing. 